After Things is brought to you by Patreon.com slash Weird Things. Thank you for supporting this show. Hello and welcome to After Things. I'm Andrew Main, joined by Justin Robert Young. Hello. Brian Brushwood. Hello. And Bryce Castillo. Hello. <laughs> I was I was trying to go from like for like very far away falling off a cliff, and then I was like, wow, not only are you falling off a bigger cliff, but you're much closer. <laughs> Hi, everybody. So I said let's save this for the show because right between episodes of weird things and after things we were talking about netflix's strategy of like how they're they're clinging they're going to still keep doing binge watching while other networks or platforms do the drip sort of the traditional method and a lot of that relates to how we do content and and i'll I'll sort of tag that into like how it fits into sort of my role as an author and what i think works and whatnot but i was making the argument that Part of the reason Stranger Things became such a success was that people like me who watched the entire entirety of the first season before it was like, you know, super on anybody's radar and then raving like lunatics to everybody else about there's this really cool thing because I saw the whole thing. I saw the whole thing. Meanwhile, we're talking about Rings of Power, like, oh, what do you think of Rings of Power? And it's like, oh, you yeah, know, it's good. It's good. This, this or this. And I think that uh, I were I able to watch all the rings of power in like a weekend or bench through it, then maybe my experience would, I would, you know, one, I would have finished it. I got to like episode two or three and I'm like, eh, do I need to keep following this every week? I'm not that engaged. Yeah. I mean, I think that we probably shouldn't box ourselves in on the idea of, do you dump everything or do you do one episode by one episode? Because those are ultimately beholden to models that don't necessarily need to guide us anymore. One episode by one episode was the way that things would air on television. The bingeable model was there because DVD uh, 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 binging became a thing in, in, in the aughts. And that's what Netflix was looking to recreate. Imagine that a new series you could rip through like you do on the DVDs of Lost or Battlestar Galactica, which were so iconic at the time. Uh, I'm into the idea of, of release. You know, let's say you have a 10 episode season, right? Which is not, not strange on, on streaming right now. And it was four one week, four next week, and then the final two episodes uh, uh, at the end. And you were conceiving a show based on that then you would know you want to do a big cliffhanger on episode four. You want to do the gigantic, I can't believe this is going to happen moment at the end of episode eight. And then you're going to have effectively either a, a huge, uh, a cataclysmic thing in an epilogue or a two hour movie to, to wrap up your series. I think that there's a lot of ways that you can do that. That not only gives you that bingeable momentum, but also preserves word of mouth. Uh, and, and I think that ultimately be it uh, uh, something that's binged like stranger things or something that is drip drip, like severance. Uh, if your show's really good, then you're going to have people talking about it and giving people more time to talk about it can continue to, uh, uh, uh you know, make it something that, uh, uh that has been successful. Quick uh, disambiguation. Uh, are we talking about how we artistically would like things to be for our own enjoyment? Or are we talking about 
what is an effective strategy to keep a business or a business afloat? Whatever one you want to talk about first. Personally, I really dig the hybrid experience, which we've saw we saw with um, uh, and there's so many different variations of it. Uh, Our flag means death did two a week which I thought was good because they're half hour episodes and you know, that, that blended together nicely. I liked the uh, Andor, I, I think did a very astute job by releasing three right up front and then going week after week. And um, I think that you could have chopped it into three and then three again, and then one and one or whatever. But, but I'm very pleased with, with how that went uh, on the flip side. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm fairly flexible, actually, with the exception of just one a week from the first episode. I can't think of too many things I've loved for doing that. Like even the boys will start off by give me two on day one, you know. Uh, but but as far as like keeping a business solvent, I don't know that you could justify not having at least some bunching up at the beginning to get that momentum rolling forward. We do see that more and more Uh, like Disney plus will do that. They'll do like two episodes or something. I think part of it too is like some of the shows are so small. It's like 30 minutes. It's like, yeah. Oh, did you catch 30 minutes? There's not enough to talk about, you know, there's not enough to really sort of talk about something. And I would say that uh, I haven't watched She-Hulk. I haven't watched Andor. I'll probably watch Andor. Um, Andor's good. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Had I been able to. Andor's really good. I'm glad to hear that. And that, but that's the thing. Why, why did I not watch this? Because, because it was Kenobi, a prequel, because it was a prequel to a movie that sucked and everything else on Disney it is, has been. It's a prequel to the movie that is arguably the best of the new Star Wars films. True. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I hate to say, hate to say, hate to say that, but um, I, I wasn't that. Like, I, 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 I learned to accept that movie, but I felt like, it's like Obi-Wan Kenobi just kind of killed it for me. And like, with yeah. you know, the, the, some of the Disney, the super, the Disney Marvel stuff was like, you know, Captain America, winter soldier. And then I, I, uh, I don't know Moon how Knight, I could finish anybody could, uh, could, could watch that whole series week after week. If it wasn't their paid job. <laughs> Wait, which one? Which uh, one? Uh, 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 Captain of the winter soldier. Yeah. I mean, or, uh, Falcon, Falcon, yeah, Falcon, and, and the Falcon, and Falcon, Falcon, yeah, Falcon. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler, um, literally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I, yeah. Yeah, that one I actually got through because it came after Scarlet Witch or, or uh, uh, WandaVision. WandaVision. And WandaVision. I, I was like, I was like, well, WandaVision ruled. This is going to get good any week. <laughs> like, and then it's like, oh, no. Like, I wanted Lethal Weapon and I got whatever the hell that was. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. And then, like, Obi-Wan Kenobi was just so mad boba fett was like hey you know i liked him when he had a three minute cameo and said nothing there. i i, I will say andor go, go disintegrations andor is the best thing that disney has ever done with the star wars franchise uh it has me enjoying things that i swore cool. i hated including blue milk and uh, uh uh there was a reference to a legacy character that I was like, I, I, I hate that in general with all the Star Wars stuff that they always want to find a reason to bring you back to an old place or have you meet an old person. But I love the show so much that they mentioned the old person and I'm like, I, ooh, ooh, maybe we'll see this person. Uh, uh, yeah. No, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's good. But, but I mean, it, it shows you how much, uh, uh, 
this stuff is hard. Making good television is is really, 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 really hard, uh, especially when you're dealing with this kind of IP where everybody wants to have their hands on it. Yes, and that problem I've seen is having seen inside, and we have all to an extent here, network decisions and how they work. And sometimes you'll find out the person making big decisions about this stuff could give an F about the IP or even really yeah. understand who's good to run it. And I've seen that happen with big budgets like, oh, they're going to be adapting this. Like, oh, cool, who's the showrunner? Oh, pass. Because you just know, like, as a fan, you understand, oh, no, I know what the output on this. This is not good. Or, yeah, this person just isn't going to get it, you know? Sorry. I, I, I was going to ask Bryce if he had a personal favorite between mm. uh, binging hybrid or week over week. I I like having the option to binge, um, but also there are not a lot of shows... I mean, we, I, there are shows that I keep current with for for Cord Killers, but a lot of times I, I am not able to keep up with shows or I just don't find a show that I want to. Like like Andor, I'm, I'm giving Andor another try, um, and I'm only on like the third or fourth episode at this point. Um, but I'm glad that I have the flexibility to watch to watch them after the fact. You know, it, it's it's very weird, the like binging versus all at once or the binging versus week after week problem um, is interesting because that's only a problem you have for two and a half months. Exactly, and right? And it's never an issue again. And, th- and It doesn't show up anywhere. It very rarely is even, you, maybe you'll see an air date on some of these. Because that, that, that's the reason why I think that we are going to move more toward, maybe not a week after week, although HBO obviously is like steadfast in their thing that like, okay, because well, they're still so tied to television that they are going, Succession will never come out two episodes unless they air two episodes because they want to really blow it out. Uh, but I would assume that we're probably going to move more toward a, a, a bunching model, if not a week after week model, because like you said, uh, uh, Bryce, there's, it's only an issue for a little bit and then everything's bingeable forever. Yeah. Right? I, I think the challenge gets into, um, did you guys finish Sandman? I didn't start. Yeah. I've, I've not, but I've heard only excellent things about it. I like that first episode. Yeah, that's all I've seen. Yeah, I've watched a few and I enjoyed it. I, I, I enjoyed Sandman. Um, and that's a show that I think got, got all delivered because it's a Netflix show. But the problem that like the new metrics are like people are asking Neil Gaiman, like, well, when's 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 the new season coming out? When's a new season? And to my knowledge, Netflix is not greenlit a new season. And people sometimes get you used to you're used to hearing when they're pretty high on a show, like the moment it drops, they've already re- you know greenlit something for that. What what I and, heard about the Sandman. So, sorry to cut you off, Andrew, but what I heard was then that don't price. Then just don't. You have that choice. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you at on being cut off and not being cut off, Justin? Yeah. Hey, Bryce, I'm sorry to cut you off, but uh, 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 I just want to say that was really screwed up the way you cut off Andrew. <laughs> I really had nothing more to say. It was just fun to say that to you. Uh, uh, with Sandman, I think I think it was Neil Gaiman himself who was out there saying like, "Hey, you guys need to watch this right away because yeah, binge yeah. binge numbers. That, who the fastest you can finish it, uh, finish these new series on Netflix is a very very valuable metric for them, and it's really frustrating because I like that first episode of Sandman, and I f- hate feeling like it's my fault if I take my time to watch it, and then it doesn't get picked up because I didn't like it enough at first when I did like it. I just need time and I need space. Uh, I, I heard, uh, I heard, I heard rumors uh, about a Netflix show that debuted and it was very 
well received and it trended, you know, uh, worldwide. So everything that you would want, but then didn't get renewed because people didn't go back and rewatch it. That it's rewatch numbers were lower, and that's why it, it it did not get renewed. I'll tell you what. Uh, both of these uh, loop back to my point. Uh, that I wanted to make about YouTube. Uh, you know, YouTube, of course, watches you watch it. And even if you've hit subscribe and you love a thing, uh, if you just accept the recommended next video, it, it, it'll it notice that, well, it seems like you like it, but not like, like it. Um, and likewise, uh, we, we've previously on this program talked about how we're trying out shorts on YouTube. Uh, we had our first short that averaged a viewing time of 110%. It averaged more than one view <laughs> per episode, and uh, and, and in a world where that's possible, then why wouldn't the robot uh, want that? Yeah. Well, we know we know that, like particularly the Netflix, the first thing they look for is just bringing in new customers. Yes. If you're bringing, if your show brings in, you know, hundred thousand people who never subscribed to Netflix before, you're golden. You're getting a renewal because they say there's a value there. Uh, second is. Does it increase the overall watch time? If somebody's watching, you know, eight hours on Netflix a week, your show comes eight hours, that's fine. But if all of a sudden an eight-hour person's going up to 14 or 15 hours of watching, that's good because that means that you're more likely to stay a subscriber. So can it get you a subscriber? Does it make sure that somebody keeps subscribing? Does it retain people who might be leaving? And so those are all those are all metrics that are super important. So well, we solved that one, I, boys. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, but I, I'll give you a couple examples that I think about, like, um, in the world of books, I write books, right? Mm -hmm. And that? my strategy is I do two books a year because I need to keep in my audience's mind. People, by the time one book comes out, they'll start seeing the advertising for the next book so I can just keep that flow of people coming in. Were I to space that out like a year or whatever, that would probably be, I think the part of my success has been the fact that just being able to keep up that cadence of two books per year. Were I crazy and didn't have a full-time job, I'd probably try to do three or four books a year. But two books a year, I think, is a good is a good sort of strategy. Other systems have their own strategies. Uh, Mr. Beast, I love what he does, is that it's unpredictable. You don't know when a video is going to drop. And then when it does, you want to watch it because it's an event. He just had a video drop where it was, you know, he and his friends stayed at hotels that range for a dollar a night to a million dollars a night. And for the dollar a night, they literally just flew to India to go sleep on a floor for a buck. Uh, and the amount of money they spend and attention to detail they put into for a 16 minute video. So that's an argument of like a cadence that's not hey, every week. There's a thing, but there could be, I don't know, sometimes like a week or two weeks between videos but you do, it's not too far apart. There's a bit of a question of fidelity. You know, for example, like movies. Now, in, in the MCU, you have so many verticals of various characters that you could do three Marvel movies per year or whatever, but you couldn't do three Luke Skywalker movies all in the same year, you know, at some point. Like that Don't tell be. Disney. <laughs> but but, but um, there's a trade-off between, uh, uh, you know, rapidity and, and fidelity. And I... Uh, obviously YouTube is front of mind as we experiment with shorts, but my goodness, is it nice to have some way to have a, a foot in the door to continue to be present in somebody's timeline that isn't, you know, uh, uh, 
back in the days of doing six to eight videos per month of television level production uh, because it was clearly more than the audience was able to process, which you know eventually we we got punished for. Um, uh, my hope is that in all of these different uh, broadcast medium uh, media, there's a opportunity to strike balance. <laughs> Well, but I think that's yeah. that's the idea with the audience, right? Like any kind of uh, uh, medium, you are trying to find the optimal cadence. Right? You're trying to find the optimal way that you can talk to the people that want to consume your stuff and trying to find that audience, right? Like that that is ultimately what, what, what creativity really is on a broadcast level. So the beauty of the internet is you can choose everything you want, right? Like, like you can be a, 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 you know, the New York Times, the Daily. Very simple. We're the New York Times. We produce a good podcast five days a week, or is it seven? I don't know. Uh, and and each time we're going to interview people that wrote stories, so you will know what is is going on, and we'll know what the features are as they drop. ESPN's on their version, or you can be hardcore history, which is like when 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 the genius comes down from the mountain with a new story to tell, then you will sit for as long as he wants to talk and you will enjoy it. And because those mediums and, and those talents demand that, that it fits that cadence so well, they have become successes and, and the internet gives us that freedom. Yeah. Um, even, even on, even on that broadcast level or that, that gigantic, what would now be the like quote unquote network level of Netflix and HBO and, and all that. These yeah. kind of streaming Kings. Like uh, just skimming over the Mr. Beast channel, it looks like he's only in the last twelve months made about sixteen videos or so. Um, but all what of them are like huge, it. and and um, and I think there's a certain mystique to it that I think people maybe kind of like. Um, I know that something that we've noticed over the years with 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 the YouTube channels is like, uh, you know, the 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 systems, the platforms encourage, you know show up a lot, be here a lot, give us more and more and more content. Um, but I feel like, I don't know. I, I feel like people are okay if they don't know when it's going to happen. Like I saw a TikTok the other day and I, I couldn't, it, it took me like 10 minutes to figure out what it was about. Cause it was just someone like, uh, showing a screen, uh, showing, uh, filming someone else's phone. And there was an alert on it. It wasn't even alert. It was like a, 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 a still, like a video had a freeze frame of a video or something. And it was some YouTuber, some YouTuber who does like explainer videos, just had a new video come out for the first time in months or something. And so it was this big like, oh, I got to go see it. I got to go see it right now. And I feel like that happens on the biggest channels, um, whether it's, you know, your Veritasiums or or whoever. Like, I, I feel like that is a really... Um, common cadence to see now compared to you know back in the day when it really was like we want as much media as you can give us on youtube every every day but you want to know what it goes back to even the the thing with netflix uh, you know the secret is make a good show the secret is make good content uh, uh you know because i think where where sometimes if you get burnt out and the episodes aren't as good and your audience is like boy remember when the good ones happened like like then they're gonna slowly there's going to be an an, an attrition and when what you were saying with modern rogue that was something that that happened like there were there were too many going out and and eventually the algorithm was like oh wait people aren't as sticky as they were 
Yeah, uh, I, I would disagree with the part where you said that because we put out a lot, they were less good. Um, like, let me say, I'm not talking about modern work specifically, but I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying that like in any kind of situation, if you are at high output, right, then every once in a while, you know, people get distracted. There's not the same kind of passion for it, uh, 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 and or maybe it's even just the culture. You're doing the exact same thing. The culture is looking at other stuff. And and so now there is there is a less stickiness. If you're doing it all the time, then there's more times that, that your audience is reminded this is not the thing that I once liked. And and so therefore you you peel off. For for Mr. Beast, he's like, look, when we show up, it's a three-ring circus. Like there is there's always going to be a thing, and so that's going to hit uh, uh whenever it is. Uh, uh and and I guess it really the only question is the algorithm. Hmm. Yeah, and I wonder how much that, like, you know, we're, we're doing more of the YouTube shorts and we're doing a lot of stuff on TikTok right now. And for both of those platforms, a lot of our growth is coming from algor- from the algorithm, especially New on TikTok. people, fresh meat, people who ain't heard this before. They ain't seen nothing like this. Right, but we're reliant on the algorithm to get it in front of them. Um, whereas on traditional YouTube... You know, the viewer auditions something. They are shown a thumbnail and they can choose to tap on it or not. Where even with YouTube shorts, it's kind of the scrolling, endless feed of of videos. Um, And so there is a certain amount of like having to please the algorithm and also pleasing the, the habits of people who are watching things in that modality. You know, they don't necessarily want to see something that's 10 minutes and they may not appreciate that you've given them the full long video versus I, a good clip. It's weird. It's, I, it's I, webisodes. Yeah. I, I think that to me, like the safe thing is like the, the two things that I know, uh, one is there is a, there's every, every individual has their own attention span. There's a meeting attention span for how long they can be aware of you and be interested in the next thing you do. And that will vary. If you're a musician, you know, if you're a director or a musician, you get, you get three years or four years before you have to have a hit movie or uh, an album, you know, like, like, you know, it's hard to go be, you know, do better than that. So like there, an author, I think you can be, you know, depends upon the kind of author you are. If Stephen King does, he does like more than like, he does a book a year or whatever. And that's a very good cadence for Stephen King. I think as an actor, you know, every two years or so, you want to appear in some big movie that people get excited about. If you're a YouTuber or doing that, it really depends upon like, yeah, like on the content, you know, if somebody does like, I like these really in-depth tutorials and that's what I like this person for doing these in-depth tutorials. I don't need them to be doing YouTube shorts. I don't need to be more engaged with their channel. I just like them when they do this thing. And if it happens once every three months and it pops up in my subscription, I'm happy. I think, and if they think some of them, if they tried to cater to that other thing, their quality would suffer because it won't fit that format. won't work that yeah. way. You think about uh, Defunct Land. You know, Defunct Land makes these amazing documentaries about theme parks and stuff. And I think that Defunct Land, I think they should probably increase the regularity a little bit more because it does go, you go, you kind of go kind of a long ways between stuff. And there's some things that, I don't know, some of them should be bigger, have more attention than they did to get. But anyhow, um, I guess what I'm saying is like the kind of the best advice I've heard is, you know, one is just try to please your audience. Just try to make a great video. Promise them what you're, you know, tell them what they're going to get, meet their, you know, explain at the very beginning what they're going to do, jump right in and give them their expectations met. 
you know, don't try deceiving thumbnail or, or anything else like this. Just try to really engage them, get them in, and then figure out a cadence, you know, or a window. Other than that, magic. Because I do think that, that part of, I think the the middle ground is the part where uh, your passion and uh, uh, your output meets where your audience wants to enjoy it. And, and that's when the magic happens. If you can find that rhythm, because you know one of them you can't control, and the other, uh, uh, your, your your brain will start writing checks that your 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 output can't cash. Yeah, yeah, and and like that sort of guides me when I'm when I'm making some of these short clips. Is like, yeah, you know, we can jump on sounds and songs and stuff that are really popular at the moment, but at the end of the day, it. Uh, it, I I think it's better for people to see our videos and go, oh, okay, there was something pretty pretty substantial there, more than just a topical, yeah, uh, you know, trend of the moment. Um, and it seems like it's working uh, in terms of giving, give, I don't know, building up a good character. You know, mm-hmm. lurk. You know, we're 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 trying to put a good reputation out. Uh, yo, man, I got a pick. It's a hot new TikTok channel that's blowing up the charts. Uh, it crossed over 200,000 subscribe or followers, a scant less than 24 hours ago. Suddenly it's all the way up to, where's it at Bryce? Uh, 207.3 thousand followers. (laughs) It went up half a thousand just since lunch. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, we had a really, a really strong weekend on, on the TikTok and, and it's, it's been a lot of fun uh, taking taking the old modern rogues and some of the old Scam Nation stuff, and uh, repurposing it and kind of cutting it up and trying to find good meaty versions forms of it that are also not necessarily the full thing. It's interesting. Check it out. Good stuff. I also picked the modern rogue TikTok. <laughs> hey, I'll pick that uh, as well. Thricely, Thricely, Thricely. The the old Bryce Thrice. Thrice, Thrice. <laughs> <laughs> the Bryce Thrice slice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Angie, do you have a pick or a slice? I, I, yeah, I'm gonna. It, it's a company that I'll just pick it out, right? I'll say, like, I use it a lot. Um, Replit, and I've mentioned this before. Uh, Replit is a environment where if you want to code, you code everything in the cloud, and you can run, serve web pages and run websites and everything, and all from one sort of location. It's not necessarily if you want to do like huge tens of thousands of people hitting your site, but you can run it and then install it somewhere else. It's really good. It kind of where I do my projects. And now what, if you go back up, they just came out with this app for mobile and they have a mobile app for coding. And damn, it's really good. Really, really, they thought a lot. I've played with like mobile coding environments and even tried to think up some before. And I think the way they came up with this, because part of the problem when you're writing code is that you might have a bunch of different files at a time. You might have different folders. And trying to navigate that on a mobile device is really hard. And they came up with this really cool way to switch back and forth. If you go back to that screen, you'll see down at the bottom, there are these little, like, you just, the slider that just lets you select what file or folder you need to be in, and it pops up. Um, I don't know how much coding I'm going to do. And the, the CEO just jokingly, I think, sent out a photo of, like, this thing running on an Apple Watch. But uh, Replit is a pretty great way to code. Nice. Uh that's kind of fun because I, I've thought for years about the fact that people use desktops to program for mobile, but I'd never considered the possibility of mobile programming for desktop. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, and I think that's something that I know on the iPad, I think they're, they were trying to push with the, those pros that they've been putting out. I, I don't know. I, that's almost speculative. I don't know exactly how that data right. But I, I, I feel like I remember them talking about that of like, the dream of building an iPad app on your iPad <laughs> could happen. Yeah. Now you can. Now you can do Swift on there and everything. So pretty cool. Gentlemen, it's been after. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> <laughs>